Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, you're very welcome to this edition of Voices from the Archives, the Irish Life and Lore series. I'm Maurice O'Keefe, and I'm back to bring you a new series of podcasts for 224, which will be wide and varied in topic. And we start this week with cycling in Munster. Cycle races became very popular from the early part of the 20th century, and the cyclists used to cycle around grass and cinder tracks in stadiums. And I was fascinated to find out more about this, so I travelled to Croke to meet Ronald Sparling. He is the son of James Sparling, who was a champion cyclist back in those days. But he was always into cycling, and he did a lot of cycle racing. And there were a big group of Palatines living around fairly close in Croke, yeah. and they had a kind of a club. Way they, back in the early days. Yeah, yeah. Really? My, fa- my father won an awful lot of races, grass track racing, and at that time the racing bikes had bamboo wheels. Oh no, that's interesting. Really? Yeah. And they had a track on the farm in Croke, and, and several neighbours, farmers living nearby, which were Palantines as well, they, they, they used to cycle against each other. And then they kind of, they cycled all over different parts of Ireland. Yeah. My father, had, had, there's a big trophy and I still have that below in my flat. And uh, he, he won it back, he had to win it three years in succession. I'd say it was 1907, he, he won it first, 1908, and he won it outright in 1909. And there was somebody, he was tipped off before the race started. 1909. In 1909. There was another fellow, they didn't want to part with the trophy, because it was a very valuable trophy. And he was tipped off to to watch out for such a fellow that they were trying to knock him off the bike. My goodness. But my father loved to tell this story. Yeah. And... But he, uh, your man made his move on a, on a bend in the track, and but my father was ready for him, and he slowed or gave him the slip anyway, and my father won the race and won the trophy. Oh, that's amazing! Uh, where did that race take place? Uh, oh, Ballyporeen. Really. And my father would cycle 
to Tipper he he'd get the train to Tipperary from Limerick and he'd, he he had an ordinary bike and he'd carried the racing bike over his shoulder from from Tipperary to Ballyporeen and cycle in the race. The sport of cycle racing became even more popular in the middle of the 20th century and a new stadium was built in Bantir in North Cork and opened in 1952. This attracted many great cyclists from around the province of Munster. I visited Bantir back in 2003 to meet the historian in the village, Con Tarnt. I remember this stadium being um, erected here <clears throat> back in 1952 because the original stadium was east of the village and um, in order to keep up with, 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 with the modern area uh, it was important to, 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 to build this new stadium and um, the, the, the parish priest at the time was Father Murphy this is in 1952, where we're now, this, this present stadium, and Father Murphy agreed there was two fields, two small fields, and the two fields, he, he gave the two fields for to build the stadium, in. and um, that's where we are now at the moment. But there was a great tradition of athletics here going way back. You sure, know. sure. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Well, um... <clears throat> Um, the original stadium was east of the village and was built in 1886. Yes, so, yes, indeed. But and was this centre track used for cycling as well as running? Oh, it was, yeah. And some very famous cyclists cycled there. You had Frank O'Sullivan of Fermoy, you had uh, Tom Lavin, and uh, you had Drum from uh, Castle Island, and um, there was. There was quite a number of them now at that particular time. A, a, a local man, Mick Cahill, we, we mentioned him before, but Mick was a mighty cyclist. He he came third. Uh, I can't remember the year to know, but he came third. And I was, I mean, to come third in the last Halton was, it, 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 it took a bit of doing. You had to be physically fit mm-hmm. to do it. But Mick, was, Mick, Mick came third. <clears throat> but uh, the last Halton was, was a, a mighty event, of course. When it did come here, you can imagine having maybe 150 cyclists all cycling together. It often amazed me how they didn't kill each other because <laughs> the wheels of the bikes would be running so close. And at the sports meeting in Bantir, there was a special race in those days and many of the local lads fancied themselves to beat the professional cyclists. So they participated in a race against them. There was one race, and it was always the, the last race in the, in the evening of the sports. It was called the Devil Take the Hindmost. And I say... Um, Why was it called that, Con? Because I say, uh, the tape was put down across the track, and uh, they'd all take off, and the last fellow over, you know, they have to do possibly about 20 rounds of the track, and the last fellow over each event, at each circle, the, the last fellow over that particular... Point, they'd have to drop out. They'd have to drop out. And oh, so it was elimination every time. Elimination, you went, yeah, yeah. You went around uh, the, the last. So you kept going until <laughs> the yeah, last one survived. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, the last, I know that the last five, they were to, to fight it out between themselves then. But of course, at that time, there was 
often 30 or maybe 35 fellas in the one race, you know, because every fellas that had a bicycle, even fellas that hadn't racing bikes at all, they participated, you know, out of the crowd. Oh, I mean, that was, that was, um, that was a very big event. You know, fellas fancied themselves. I mean, they mightn't have the price of a bike, of the racing bike, but you can be sure they participated otherwise, mentally anyway. What <laughs> <laughs> did I remember, fellas? At that time, they was to, uh, they actually wait for that particular event, and they were sure to take to take off on that anyway. Uh, but of course, they wouldn't have much of a chance again. The the, the the we'd call them the more or less professionals at the time. And Con Tarrant recalls the big names in cycling in those days. Now, Frank Sullivan there in, in, in for my, I think to the 39 Irish titles he won. Tom Levin, he was a Cork City man, he was another great cyclist. And um, Drum, Drum from... Where uh, was Drum from? He was from Castle Island. Mm. And he was a great favourite here. Um, he, uh, I, I, I think that, uh, of course, there was, there was five or six fellas that time and they were all of nearly equal standing like they were, you know, any fella could win. And it would be a big day, of course. We'd have the bands here. We would participate ourselves with the pipe band and uh, lead the, the athletes around the track and, you know, it was, oh, it was a big do. The, the blood was up <laughs> for that particular day. In 1957, there was a new breed of cyclists who were coming on stream. And the reason I got into cycle racing in 1957, because all the great uh, three cyclists, Tommy Connell, Billy Griffin, uh, the Breen the brothers, Charlie Mansfield, Milo O'Mara, uh, Johnny McKilligot, they got old. Mick Murphy from Carsevine in County Kerry was one of those. He got the nickname the Iron Man because of his ability to win so many stages in the Ross Dalton. I spoke to him in 2006 and he started by telling me that he started his career on grass track. And the grass track riding, uh, the father mother of, of cycling, Kerry, and athletics. The, the cross track culture. And now uh, I, I'd go and I was winning. I'd win. And uh, I often won three or four races. I was the best grass track rider in 1957 in Ireland. And so, were you getting prize money for? Oh winning? yes, I would get prizes. So, what kind of money would you oh, get? Oh, I'd be getting a. I got twenty pounds prize in three. Kennedy Out Sports. That was a great, great uh, meeting. Uh, I got a, a cutlery, said cutlery, a suit length, a suit length, a pair of shoes, a jumper. It's, you know, at the end of the day, you got uh, at least seven, thirty shillings. One of the best clubs around at that time was in Castle Island in County Kerry, and that's the club that Mick Murphy joined. They started a club in Castle Island, an athletic and cycling club, the best uh, athletic and cycling club. And from then on, uh, we, we were the strongest club in Kerry. In 1960, we went up to Loch Ray in Galway, and uh, we beat uh, Clonbrew of Dublin uh, for the best uh, club in, in, in Ireland. I was in the Ross now, see. And I, I was in the Ross, and uh, I wasn't going to be picked because my farm had elapsed. I wasn't winning. 
but they had the racing trolley. And I remember I walked up at the farm until one o'clock in the day, and I cycled into Hardings, Cork, got a bit of pizza on my bike, headed out from Cork, I don't know, 100 miles. From Mallow to Cork first, and then from, uh, uh, from Cork into to, to lead to the race. And uh, I won the second day. I was in the Raw, so we headed for Dublin. And uh, I was so relaxed. But they said, but they had no money. See? Three times they came down and there was no car behind me. They had no money because the team was young. There was nobody to come up to me. Three times I, 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 three times I came down and there was no, and uh, I wouldn't fit half the time. So whatever I was doing, like it wasn't right. That's why I'm uh, half a cripple now. The first day in the last was from uh, uh, Dublin to Wexford, about 90 miles. And uh, me and the Helen, uh, 20 miles, I, I, I split the field, 20 miles to go. And Helen came up in a, uh, in, a, in a mighty sprint and he beat the Dublin men in the sprint. He beat Steve Abbott, the greatest sprinter in Ireland. That was the first day. And the second day, the second day, there was an awful lot of action. The next thing I, I remember now that we were in Glenball Mountain, and uh, the uh, Dublin had uh, Tipperary taken out Dublin, and now Tipperary were, were demolished, and I attacked, and I went clear, and I won uh, in Glenball, the King of the Mountains, and uh, the the Kylie brother chased me into Carrick and Sword, and I I won the stage. That was, uh, now I was, I was in the yellow, the yellow jersey. That night, I was as relaxed as anything. Well, it was a savage day, no, it was a savage day as riding, see. It was a savage day as riding, because I never left the front all day long. So now, the next day now, uh, we were at Waterglass Hill. I rode into West Cork. I rode into West Cork, and I chased, and I chased for 45 miles. And I cut them. I cut the bunch at uh, the about a mile, two miles from Clonkilty. My gosh! Yeah. See, but yeah. uh, and and did, so did you hold the bunch then? I, I held. I was still in yellow. Next day, now we were from Clonkilty. So the stage were in the hundred thirty mile mark. In the, in the, and 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 we came. We came. We came south and. Uh, Going out to Glengarriff, I got clear. There was four riders gone up front and for the King of the Mountains. And I wanted the King of the Mountains. And uh, I came off the Tunnel Road in a squally evening and down a hill road, me don't break. It was, you know, the road we call them glassy roads that time. Uh, when it rained, uh, there was a lot of tarnum. And I, I, I crashed at 50 miles an hour. I, I hopped up the road. How, how did that happen? Because of the, of the, the conditions the, of the, the road? The glacier roads, yeah. And uh, uh, Mangan came up and he hit me across the face. He said, get on the bike. He gave me his bike. And uh, what stood me later was how easy I cut the bunch up front. After, after your fall? My fall. How easy I got him. 
And we know the next thing I knew, I was I knew I was hurting as well, I was concussed. The next thing I remember was coming over the bridge of the King Mayor, and everybody was looking at me, I was covered in blood. And uh, we came to the, the Mall's Gap now, the climb started. And I controlled the climb all the ways up. And uh, she was telling Tyrone, his brother had played for Tyrone, he got away from the top when he beat us. And now uh, I knew I was going to be attacked into the lead. I don't remember the bigger go after the Jersey. And I decided to attack it before Killarney. And I attacked it through Killarney. And the double waves attacked me in waves. And they were totally attacking a squally, wicked evening. All the ways, they never got an inch in me. And uh, I finished in the same time. And uh, so now, we started in the morning, and we started, and they held me in the bike, they, they, they stopped me in, they held me up, and they pushed me off. And it was so powerful, unbelievable. I think it bit out of me. And I led through, through Castle Island, just went away from them. It was three minutes up, going through Castle Island, and they cut me half was up, three quarters up the mountain. And in, into, uh, I think it was Nina, and uh, I finished uh, fourth in Tanina. The next stage was into, into Castle Bar in Mayo. And uh, all day I was up front. I was up front. But two riders weren't clear. Paddy Flanagan and uh, some other one. And then they beat me. I was worried now. The next day was into Sligo, second last day. And we were going towards, towards, towards Castlereagh. And oh, I'd, at one stage, I had I, uh, 13 minutes up. I was I, 13 minutes up now, you know, the rest was mine. And I was 13 minutes up. And uh, through going through Castlereagh, another squally evening. I was on my own. I got away going for a stage win in just like I was down. You fell off the bike? I, I was down again, hard. How, how did that accident the, happen? The, the water ran again. I, and, uh, and the water, the, 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 the glass road from the too much tar and, and rainy. And now, and we raced across the top and down, lost and rolled it. We rode down the mountain, you know, Russian roulette. And... Uh, as dangerous as hell, you know. We couldn't it? believe it, what we were doing, you see. Yeah. Desperation. And uh, this guy, uh, we had him shout at us. He had a kind of a, a yellow, uh, reddish jumper on him. And he was timeless. And he was roaring, defend the yellow mantle. And about uh, six miles further on, oh, I was, uh, oh, now I was, put uh, me 13 minutes up, now I was, I was seven minutes down or something again. You were seven minutes down because of the fall? The fall. I wasn't first away. Tom Ryan went clear up, up the Cuddlers, out, out to Sligo. He was going a long ways up and I went off and left him. I went over the top of my own and I, I headed for Dublin. 
133 miles away. Get, I got lonesome now, and I started talking to myself. And I looked up, and there was a sign, Dublin, uh, 79 miles, and it was past to go. And I was there. I was, you know, that gave me confidence. What came up that uh, uh, Dublin take now to prayer for the team prize? And now there was panic stations. And what came up, the Steve Abbott was coming. And I said I wasn't going to get caught. I went up and started attacking the, the three blocks with me. You know, jumping him, jumping him. The sprint started and I was fought in the sprint. You no, know, only inches in it. So Mick Murphy held on to his yellow jersey and he won the Ross. But it was a total anti-climax when the race finished. And, uh, you know, I was, I was champion. And we changed inside in there. Because we change our money for scarcity. In the, there's a boxing ring. And Dick Barry Cork. Uh, we walked down through Dublin. Look, he said, what we've done, he said. And we're on our own. Oh, we're in the Castle Hotel. After the race? Yeah, that was a great hotel. Uh, you, you got uh, great food there. I'd say it was well-deserved after that race. What, what was the race worth to you in those days? Nothing. We've come to the end of this week's story on cycling in Ireland in the early part of the 20th century. Next week's podcast, we're going to focus on a new collection that has recently been published on our website, the Heritage Collection for 223. This consists of some amazing fascinating stories and covers a wide broad range of topics including Irish migration to England in the 50s and 60s. In the headings, under the ground, 12-hour shifts, one break at dinner time, there was no 10 o'clock break that time or no 3 o'clock. So there was one half hour for the dinner and you had seven days a week, seven 12-hour shifts and every Friday the choir fella tell you any man that don't come in Saturday or Sunday don't come in Monday. And every Monday morning there'd be 40 men at the top of the hole looking for work. So you knew when you went down the hole you had to shift the muck. It was an old saying there, it was the man of the muck. Next week's podcast is an interview with Richard Burke on one of the islands off the west coast of Ireland. When they'd be going over for the turf, the, the other island boats would be with them, they'd be going to convoy. But he was able to slide back along the Connemara shore with the northwest wind. The others would have to come out to tech and go back in again, you know, zigzag. But it was, it was able to do that, Bell's boat. So the Connemara people were very anxious to get it as Bell was getting older because they knew that it. He didn't have a future for it, but he wouldn't, he wouldn't give in that it should go to Connemara. He wanted, it was like him, um, like a farm animal, you know, that he had such respect for it. And finally, in next week's podcast, we will visit Trinity College and meet the people who looked after the Book of Kells for many years. Turn the page, I trans- write out the Latin. It is more or less all written in one continuous line. Words joined together and start to figure them out. But eventually I got the knack of it, split the words, and then write it out. Sometimes I put English over it. Tourists liked it sometimes. They liked to see what, what the page meant. 
And I got a kick out of it because I could read something that was written in Latin in the 9th century. And was this a new opening up to tourism and to promoting, promoting yes, the college absolutely. and promoting the, yeah. I suppose, taking advantage of the fact that the, the Book of Kells was in your possession? Yes, well, uh, the first year I was there, um, the visitor numbers um, in 92 were 286,000. And the visitor centre had been built to accommodate 250,000 visitors. So even in year one, we actually broke the record. I mean, our, at the height, two, I think it was 2000 and, 2007, two, yeah, 2007, we had um, nearly 600,000 visitors. That was incredible. Which is incredible. Yeah. I'm Maurice O'Keefe and I look forward to bringing you all those stories next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 